The coronavirus does the White House and the presidential debates are a hot mess. Hello and welcome to It's Worth a Conversation with Alexia. (laughs) I originally wanted to speak about the presidential debates, but as they say, you snooze, you lose. The news cycle really and truly happened so quickly that you really have to jump right in from the beginning because the next day something bigger, more intense, exciting will absolutely grab the headlines. So back to the debates, I'm going to touch on it for a little bit and then I'm going to touch a little bit on the coronavirus as it's affecting the White House. It's actually, it's a big story. Um, So I'm just going to say it, it was a disaster on both sides. It was intense, it was hot and often chaotic. My 13-year-old son looked to me and said, Mom, they acted like six-year-olds. Psalms 8 verse 2 says, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. My son even thought that they acted like children. And he is a child himself. So if a young one can recognize that, how much more so us adults. Trump came in swinging and he came in swinging way too wildly. Overly aggressive from the beginning. And I'm not sure if that's what that's what his strategy, strategy was. Um, something tells me that he probably didn't really have a strategy, but whatever it was, it did not work for him.com. And I forgot that Joe Biden return is a hothead. For someone with over 30 years of debating experience, I was very surprised at how easily he was triggered. He behaved despicably. And he was the first to interrupt, I'll let you know. You can check the tapes, rewind, and you'll see he's the first one to jump in there. And he was the only one to do name calling. Trump surprisingly restrained himself in that regard. I expected him to call him Hyden Biden or something to, you know, fight back, hit hard that way with the name calling, but he did not. Um, I think he was probably coached on not doing that. Biden called the president a clown, told him to shut up, man, (laughs) shut up, man, and overly performed very poorly. I did like this moment. I thought it was a little fake. And I felt that it was scripted and I'm sure he practiced it, but it might've been effective when he would look into the camera, Joe Biden, and speak to the viewers directly. He was reminiscent of a uh, WWF pre-barrel move, you know, when they used to look in the camera and talk, and talk to their opponents, but it may have made an impact to the undecided. Is it, was it enough to flip uh, Republican voters over? No. But the moderates and undecided, he may have just done that. But I have no idea. Chris Wallace, what were you doing, man? (laughs) You struggled to control the debate and the debaters ran right over you. But if I'm being honest, I think anyone in that position would have struggled. I was uh, disappointed that he didn't fact check Joe Biden at all that night. And he came out or came through as the Biden protector. He was out there saving private Biden. That's how it came across. Um, Joe Biden called Antifa only an idea. He didn't think it was real. Really, Joe? They have been burning cities and terrorizing people. They are a legitimate group 
creating havoc. There was a point that made me a little bit uncomfortable when Joe brought up his son, Bo Biden. And I actually felt Trump did a very good job pivoting away from that topic back to Hunter. Many did criticize Trump, not surprising, um, that he should have been maybe a little bit more empathetic and allowed Joe to speak more about his son, Bo, who passed away. But I believe he knew it would have been in poor taste to talk about his opponent's dead son. And it was just best to move on, which he did. I think that would would have been the best way. There's no need for him to argue about Bo Biden. And as he said to Joe, you know what, Joe, I don't know Bo. I'm talking about Hunter. But he was severely criticized for that move. What we can probably all agree with is that Trump's worst mistake that night, um, the over-talking was one thing, but that was a communication issue. But I think his worst mistake that night was buggering up his response to Chris Wallace asking him if he would condemn white supremacy. Do I think he's a white supremacist? No, absolutely not. As Trump says, sure, who would you like me to condemn? Biden then shouts out, proud boy. You know, it was kind of a muffled, lots of noise in the background. And Trump had no idea who they were, the Proud Boys, and he condemned them anyways. Like, he should have asked who they were if he had, if he had no idea who they were. Um, that was silly. But anyways, he was under pressure at that moment. And if somebody throws out, hey, that's a white supremacist group, you're probably going to run with it. But just for the record, they are not a white supremacist group. So Trump says, stand by and stand back. <laughs> Meaning, and this is how I interpret it, Um, meaning that they should allow law enforcement to come in and do their job. They should not be getting involved or entangled in the situation that's been happening in the city. And I bet you if he would have said, stand back and stand down, the media would have interpreted that as being him in direct association with the group, the leader of that group, um, in a leadership position that would allow him to command them. So he wasn't going to win this one, and he really buggered up the response. The Proud Boys, if I may just interject for a moment, they're actually a multiracial paramilitary group that denounces white supremacy. So they're not white supremacists. The leader is a black Cuban named Enrique Tayo. And um, if you go online and see the work that they do, they have a very multiracial Um, amount of members that are part of their group. They are pro-male. Yes, they are. They're anti-Antifa. They're very pro-America, pro-law enforcement, anti-racism, and anti-communism. They're all the anti-things that you should be an (laughs) anti-about. We'll just say it that way. And the funny thing is, Chris Wallace asks Trump, the same question in 2016, you know, worded a little bit differently during the debate. So this was not anything new. Please listen to this clip. What are your views on the Ku Klux Klan and white supremacists? I totally disavow the Ku Klux Klan. I totally disavow David Duke. I've been doing it now for two weeks. This is, you're probably about the 18th person that's asked me the question. 
it was very clear. That question was also talked about in the form of groups. Groups. I want to know which groups are you talking about? You have to tell me which groups. Ultimately, he got to the Ku Klux Klan, which obviously I'm going to disavow. And by the way, if you look on my Twitter account, almost immediately after the program, they were disavowed again. You know, it's amazing. When I do something on Twitter, everybody picks it up, goes all over the place. But when I did this one, nobody ever picks it up. Take a look at my Twitter account. There you go. And that was four years ago. Um, Donald Trump uh, denounced white supremacist KKK, a lot of groups. And it's not the first time I've heard him address it. They've asked him that many, many times. (laughs) So it was certainly, I think, um, a trap. A trap question. And as we all know, Trump does bugger up language. Uh, He's a branding genius but a pathetic fool when it comes to communication. I apologize, I shouldn't have used the word fool. Um, The Bible talks about calling your brother a fool, so I should not have said that, my apologies. But he's pathetic when it comes to communication. It says Achilles heel, Um, it's his weakness. And I believe it truly was a confusing question for him. It was a trap question, like I mentioned earlier, that he's denounced white supremacy so many times. So why do they keep asking? I think he should should really stop answering the question. And I would have been proud or impressed if Chris Wallace had asked Joe Biden to denounce Antifa. Or did he? I can't remember. I don't think he did. But just to clarify the narrative that Trump is soft on white supremacy, it's not true. He's not a white supremacist. This is the man who signed into law criminal justice reform that has affected the majority of the African-American community. Prison reform, same thing. Historic funding for um, black colleges, HBCUs. They don't even need to reapply for them anymore. It's permanent. Opportunity zones. Um, He has announced his platinum plan for black Americans, which will pour $500 billion into black communities and will bring opportunities, security, fairness, and prosperity. And it's also designating the KKK as a terrorist organization. He moved the embassy to Jerusalem. His daughter and grandchildren are Jewish. I mean, how much more proof do you need that this man is not racist? It's a fun narrative for the media and those who hit him, but it is simply not true. And they do not have any examples of why they consider him racist. They tend to reach back to his father, but he's not his father. But we do know that the left calls anyone who disagrees with them a white supremacist. (laughs) And guess what? I have been called that myself and I am black as they come. I am black as night. And the last time I checked, white supremacy only allows white people in it. So that's a fail. So we're going to move on. As you already know, unless you actually live under a rock, or maybe if you live in Newfoundland, <laughs> they call it the rock, um, President Trump and Melania have tested positive for the coronavirus. The Vice President um, Pence, I actually don't know his first name, but VP Pence, Mike Pence, yes, I do know his first name, and his wife have been tested and they're negative just like the rest of his family. So I know Ivanka was tested, Barron was tested, her husband was tested, and they've all been negative so, so far. Donald Trump Jr. was tested, he's negative. Um, none of them are positive, but there are quite a few in his circle that are positive, such as Kellyanne Conway, Chris Christie, um, his press secretary, some of the White House reporters. It's a, quite the list. 
He was helicoptered um, on Friday night to a military hospital, and I hear that he might possibly be discharged on Monday, which is quite quick. President Trump, as you know, falls into three risk categories. His age, he's 70 plus. Um, He's considered obese according to the BMI schedule. Full disclosure, I'm also considered obese as well, considering the ridiculous parameters of the BMI. I am certainly not obese, a little bit overweight, but I'm not obese. Hello. And he is male. Coronavirus does disproportionately um, affect men. He has no underlying health issues though, so that's on his side. I do know he takes some cholesterol control medication, but I don't know too much about that. So he does fall within some risk categories, so he certainly will be under the care of many doctors. But what's been interesting to see is how excited those on the left seem to be. Now he's got it. That shows him. You should see the death wishes online, the horrific things that I see people um, writing about him. I was going to read a few of them, but I don't want to bugger up my podcast with uh, horrible wishes and thoughts not prayers (laughs) they're just offering negative thoughts they are seeking revenge for how they perceive that he's handled the pandemic they they say that he's been a complete failure and the overall um and just the overall issue that he's the president i mean that takes priority for them they're not happy that he was elected and as the president they feel that he should should not have won so it's been a continuous resistance since uh, November 2016 and even prior to that it has not stopped they want to see this man weakened and even complain that he actually walked to the helicopter seems as if they wanted him to be uh, (laughs) wheeled out on a stretcher or something he wasn't that sick yet and had only minor symptoms at that point but I want to talk about what people look for in their leaders you know people are looking for strength of their leaders even during difficult times Um, it's the same thing with parents when you're raising your children, you don't burden your children with adult issues. You don't burden them with all the pains that you're going through because you really want to make them feel confident um, in their surroundings and confidence in their parents and their parents. And, you know, they'll need to know when they need to know. And I'm okay with that. It is interesting to note though how close this occurred before the election. Things that make you go, hmm... But conspiracy theorists are already running with this narrative, so I'll just let them have at it (laughs) and just read what they're saying. This has happened early enough, though, for him to recover from it. Um, With 14 days of quarantine, trusting that everything is going to will go well and he'll recover uh, and he'll show up ready for work again and ready to fight. Americans and Canadians overall, though, have been really terrified of this virus. Um, But the fear has been larger than the actual danger of the virus. As you know, the survival rate is actually quite high. And if you check out the CDC website, 99.97% of people actually survive. 99.98% of coronavirus patients aged 20 to 49 survive. Ages 50 to 69, 99.5% survives. And 94.6% of coronavirus patients seven years of age and older survive. And that would be the category in which President Trump falls under. So we'll see how he does. And if you eliminate any pre-existing conditions and comorbidities, uh, 
in actual fact, 12,000 to 13,000 Americans have died from it specifically. As far as morbidity, the actual death goes, it's not too bad compared to SARS or MERS or some of the other pandemics. It's, it's not the plague. But people are really, really scared, and I'm, I'm not going to deny that. I see that in their faces. I see how careful people are. There are still people who have not left their homes. They're locked up. They're ordering in. They're ordering their groceries online. They do not want to go anywhere. But I really believe that a leader is not defined by avoiding the dangers. They are defined by surviving danger. And Napoleon, as you may know, was a, a very uh, a great leader, general. And he actually rode into danger, and that's why he was respected. Not saying that Trump is a general of any sort, but he is a leader. And the fact that he has been afflicted by this pandemic, people are standing by waiting to see how he handles it and how he comes through. And that will really help him in terms of the direction and results of this election. Um, They're going to see a high-profile person like him stare down coronavirus. And if he shrugs this off and stands tall and rise like a phoenix from the ashes, he will be seen as a hero. Being older, being male, being obese. And if it's not as bad as he thought it might be, it really will be encouraging to the public and it will start to change the perception of this pandemic and this virus when you get it. Because right now people are just really terrified of catching it because they're afraid of dying and they're not paying attention to the science and the numbers. And Like I mentioned earlier, statistically, you're going to be just fine. As long as you don't have any underlying conditions, which then, of course, increases your rate and your chances. Um, but if he comes through this, being so a part of, you know, three major categories that I'm aware of, it will be significantly encouraging to those in the public who are watching and keeping an eye on him. Here in Ontario, um, the coronavirus has been seeing up to about 700 cases a day, not 700 each day, but up to around that much. You know, I've been seeing 600 plus and there's a huge backlog. So we're still waiting for people to be diagnosed whether or not they have it. I believe when I was tested, it took me, I think it took about six days for me to get the results. And the government, you know, our wonderful government, um, started to crack down again with these gatherings and they're not canceling, they're not canceling Thanksgiving, but they sure are restraining it. <laughs> In my opinion, the coronavirus is something we are going to have to accept as part of the matrix of society, just like we've accepted many other diseases. I wear a mask and I actually don't mind them. Um, I love the anonymity it provides me. I can go out, nobody knows who I am, <laughs> especially if I put sunglasses on. I am good to go. <laughs> You don't need any lipstick. You don't need any makeup. You don't need nothing. Because all people can see is your eyes. And like I said, if you're wearing sunglasses, you're completely anonymous. And I've always been diligent about washing my hands and keeping a clean environment, keeping a clean home. I'm always wiping. I'm always Lysoling. I've always been like that. I have wipes in my bag, in my car. If I go out to dinner, I wipe down the table. I wipe down menus. I hand out wipes to my everybody at the table with me, my children, my husband. Everybody's uh, wiping down. They know me. I wipe down the plates. I wipe down the cutlery. (laughs) I'm crazy like that. 
Um, so I, like I said, I've always been diligent and I'm just glad to know now that more people are trying to be just as conscientious as well. Um, if I do get a coffee or go through the drive-thru, I am wiping on those cups and I'm wiping on those lids and I do put, um, the alcohol in the wipes as well. So helps for extra added protection and kill bacteria. Um, so yeah, if you catch it. Or if I catch it, rather, I'm going to say, am I afraid to die? You're probably wondering that. No, I'm not. Um, Since I'm following the science which says if I catch it, my chances of me coming out just fine is overwhelmingly high, like over 99%. People are going to have to confront their fears about this virus, and I think it is something that we're just going to have to accept, like I mentioned earlier, as part of the matrix of this society. Some world leaders have had it. I mean, Bolsonaro has had it of Brazil. Boris had it. I think Boris had it pretty, pretty bad. He was oxygen and he was on a respirator and all that sort of thing. But he's bounced back just fine. And people looking for strength and the scare tactics and the fear mongering really is not going to help all of us. Um, We need to remain calm and, of course, protect yourselves 100%. But I don't think we're going to need to shut down society the way in which we did a few months ago. And let's not blame the victims with misfortune. We don't know how people are catching the coronavirus. We have an idea. But there are people who have worn masks and are very diligent with wearing masks who have caught it. There are people who haven't, and they've caught it. So are you going to just have sympathy for those who caught it and you feel as if that they really stepped up to the plate in protecting themselves, and then you're going to vilify those who did not protect themselves? No, I think we should just have empathy for both, for both sides. So that's my thoughts on the coronavirus. And it'll be very empowering to see this guy with all of these risk factors defeated. Um, Like I mentioned, it will give those of us watching strength, especially when you're paralyzed with fear. The next few days will be closely watched. The media will go nuts with speculation and Trump will live. I'm going to end with a quick prayer dear lord please grant all those afflicted with this virus a fast recovery your ways are often mysterious to us but your ways are perfect remove fear uncertainty and confusion from our hearts that we may come through this pandemic victorious in jesus name i pray amen ciao and in the meantime until next time Don't be afraid to stand out and stand up for something or you'll most likely end up falling for anything. Thanks for listening to It's Worth the Conversation. And I'm Alexia. Have a great day. Please like, share, and leave us a five-star review. (laughs) I didn't say that right. Please like, share, and leave us a five-star review. Thank you.